Hey, what's going on, everyone? Uh, another episode of Camcast is on the way. I want to thank everybody for tuning in for what's going to be episode eight. Um, for those of you that enjoyed the last episode of the Camcast, uh, where I talked about Joe Kelly versus the Houston Astros, I want to thank you. Uh, that one was definitely probably one of the most fun that I've done so far. Um, I just thought that the rawness of it and the overall passion that I had for it, and you know, a lot of the, you guys have had for it by some of your DMs and some of your comments that you've told me. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really good. You know, it's good talk. That's the kind of stuff that I really like. If there's ever like a hot button issue that you guys are really into and you want me to talk about or you want to discuss, I'm I'm more than game, you know, for that. I you know, I I want to be able to get some thoughts out there and maybe if we're all on the same wavelength in regards to certain things, we can get those, you know, different thoughts out there. Um, but for today's episode, it's going to be episode 8 like I said. Uh so when the NBA canceled its season, you know, or not canceled, I guess uh, paused it in in uh, in March. Uh you know, everything awards-wise was kind of on the back burner. But before the NBA restarted in Orlando, they alerted everyone that typically votes on the awards that the awards will only be based off of uh, the games that were played before COVID hit. So in today's episode, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to give my awards. I'm going to give you all the major awards for the NBA season for 2019-2020. Uh, I'm going to give you why I think that they're going to be those players or those coaches or, you know, whatever that are going to win those awards. And, you know, I'm going to give you some 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 thought. I'm going to give you some stats to back those claims up. And I'm also going to give you what I think the NBA writers and the NBA media are going to give the awards for because I know there's probably going to be a couple bullshit ones on there. But I'm going to keep it to you guys straight. I, you guys know that I'm going to be a Laker. You know, I'm a Laker apologist. Um, but I'm going to tell you who deserves these awards regardless of my fandom for the Lakers. Um, and you'll be able to look forward to that right now. All right, let's get into it. All right, guys, episode eight here. This is going to be my NBA awards for the 2019-2020 season. I want to thank you all again for listening in. For this is going to be my eighth episode now. You know, it's, I'm having a great time with this. I'm really enjoying it. It's been really good for me to finally be able to get this podcast up and going. I wanted to do it for a couple years, and I was inspired to do it. You know, because of you know all the free time that we have now with COVID going on. But you know, regardless, I'm just really happy that I'm able to do this. So to start the podcast today, I actually kind of wanted to share something really interesting with you guys. Um, I don't know if you know or not, but uh, I listen to 710 ESPN LA, which is the AM radio station predominantly in Southern California, uh, for my sports talk every single day. And the main show that I listen to all the time is the Mason and Ireland show. It's Steve Mason and John Ireland, and I don't know, I, I, the reason why I'm really into the podcasting and the sportscast, I was into it before, but those two guys, they're they are just really inspiring. They're, they seem like re- you know really good dudes. Um, they give it to you straight. They don't take it too seriously, which is what I fucking love. And uh, early in COVID, they were kind of running out of ideas because there were no sports going on, and it's a sports talk show station. So they gave uh, audience members the opportunity to call in and to give a jingle that they would play over and over and over again. And uh, it happened to be, I heard it on my way home from work one day, and I called on my way home from work, and I gave them a little 10-second jingle, and they've been playing it every single day on the radio station. It's been my voice on the radio station every single day. And I just thought it was, I don't, you know, obviously I don't expect any, uh, any type of accolades from it or anything. It's something really minor, but for me, I think it's pretty cool because, you know, when I'm listening to that radio station, I hear Mason and Ireland's voice, I hear the producer's voice, 
And then I hear my voice. I'm the fourth or fifth voice that's always going to be on that station whenever I listen to it at 3 p.m. And when they go back to their original time uh, at 1 p.m. Uh, in a couple weeks. But I just wanted to share. Uh, they actually shouted me out today by name on the radio today. I just thought that'd be really cool to share to you guys. Here it goes. Uh, playing it from my iPhone, so please excuse the audio if it's not any good. But here we go. 710 ESPN, Mason in Ireland. All right, John, here's a question. Do you know the name... Cameron Moynian. Cameron Moynian. Yes. Uh, first baseman for the Washington Nationals. It's an excellent guess, but instead, here is what Cameron Moynian is responsible for. ESPN 710 Los Angeles Sports. Now, He's is the guy that did the jingle. Is Cameron both the singer of the jingle and the person who says sports? Yes, he is. Yeah, that's very well done. It's a one-man show. Cameron Moynian, thank you very much. Who knew you were going to be so famous? Literally every promo on the station has got your jingle. It's awesome. All it's right, awesome. So yeah, so I just, I don't know. I thought that was really cool, and it was a cool shout-out for me. And it, honestly, it, it made my day. So I just thought it would be really cool to share that with you guys. You know, it's 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 little things like that that make me happy. You know, it's... I don't know. It's To me, it's really cool. I don't know. You guys might not think it's cool or whatever, but, you know, I, I think it's cool. All right. Well, besides that, let's go ahead and get back to the topic at hand. We're doing the NBA Awards for the 2019-2020 season. So the first category of awards that we got here, we got the Coach of the Year. And the coach, I'm, and the way I'm going to do this for each of the awards, I'm going to break it down into the three people that I think deserve it, and then I'm going to give you my pick. I'm going to give you my pick, and then I'm going to give you the person that I think is actually that the NBA is going to pick. But I'm going to give you my pick first because I think... Well, obviously, I think my pick is right. I mean, let's just be real. <laughs> I just think that my pick is going to be right. All right, so for Coach of the Year this year, the three finalists that I have, I have Nick Nurse, coach of the Toronto Raptors. I have Billy Donovan, the coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I have Frank Vogel, the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. So before you hound me about Frank Vogel and me being a Lakers fan and all that, let me give you the stats on Frank Vogel and why I think he deserves to be in the running for the coach of the year. So the Lakers this season... It's their first, they, they actually just clinched the, the one seed yesterday. I'm filming this on August 4th. They clinched it August 3rd. First time we've been in the playoffs since 2014 when we wound up starting Andrew Gowlock and Darius Morris in that first-round series against the Spurs. But in Frank Vogel's first season, he posted a winning percentage of 7-7-3. It's outstanding. We haven't had that good of a winning percentage since 2009 when you know, Kobe was leading the Lakers to the title against the Magic. But besides that... Prior to, the, prior to the season, nobody was picking the Lakers to even be a top one, two, or three seed. Everyone was picking the Clippers to be one of those top seeds in the West. Even though we, we brought Anthony Davis on board and we had LeBron and LeBron was rejuvenated and all that, I don't know. It's all the moving parts that we had on the Lakers this season, all the new additions. I think like 10 players on our team, 10 or 12, were completely new. I think the only returning players that last, from last year, like JaVale McGee, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Caruso and LeBron. You know, it's not a very big list. And Frank Vogel has been really good at being able to integrate the rest of the new players and, you know, put out a solid roster. Uh, the second option for this award is going to uh, be Billy Donovan, the coach of the Thunder. So before the season started, when Paul George was traded from the Thunder to the Clippers for like six draft picks, Danilo Gallinari and Shea Gilgis Alexander, Everyone wrote off the Thunder, me included. I thought the Thunder were going to be a dumpster fire. I thought they were going to be terrible. I thought Chris Paul was washed up. You know, I, I thought all that. Man, 
was I wrong? The Thunder have been a really, really exciting team to watch this season. They have basically a three-point guard set where they have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Paul, and Dennis Schroeder, who's coming off their bench, that basically play, you know, three point guards all at one time. They put Shea Gilgis at more of the uh, the small forward role. Dennis Schroeder's playing shooting guard, and of course, Chris Paul is manning the point. But then you got Gallinari, you got Stephen Adams, you got Nerlens Noel off the bench. I mean, they've they've played very, very good this season. They've put up a win percentage of 621, and I believe right now they are uh, fifth in the Western Conference. There's not a single NBA analyst or NBA media personality that had them even in the playoffs, and Billy Donovan has been able to put, bring that team together and you know make them a formidable opponent. Nobody wants to play the Thunder in the first round, especially with Chris Paul as the point guard. I mean, they've been you know they've they've been great. They've been the biggest surprise for me. Besides maybe the Memphis Grizzlies, who I thought also were not going to be any good at all, but they're kind of showing it right now in this uh, in this Orlando restart. I didn't think that they'd have any shot at making the playoffs. So Billy Donovan's done a great job. And then the third pick is Nick Nurse. So it's it's well documented that the Toronto Raptors lost Kawhi Leonard in the offseason, and they lost you know, but they're still the reigning champs. Nick Nurse somehow was able to find another star in Pascal Siaka, make him the focal point of the offense. Marcus All had been hurt a lot of the season. Serge Ibaka's played a bigger role. You know, they got Norman Powell coming off the bench. They have, you know, uh, Fred Van Vliet, who just dropped 36 points last night. I mean, the Raptors have been... if I think they've actually been better this year than they were last year. They have a winning percentage of 727, and last year they had a winning percentage of 707. I'm not sure what that projects out if it was a full 82-game season, but the Raptors have been a huge surprise. And now people are picking them to come out of the East over the Bucks, And, you know, nobody even thought that they would be a top-four seed in the East this year because Kawhi left, and Nick Nurse really, he really righted the ship. So now I'm going to give you my pick. My pick for Coach of the Year this year is going to be Nick Nurse. Nobody predicted the Raptors were going to be still an elite team. I mean, even last year, nobody knew they were going to win the title, given that the Warriors did. I mean, they did lose, uh, you know, Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant didn't play, but you can't take that away from them. They won the title. Nobody anticipated that they would be back. I mean, they're the defending champs, but me, myself included, I did not think that they would be this good. And after watching the Raptors and the Lakers play the other night, um, the Raptors are, are legit. And it would not be a shock if they... Uh, if, if they want it again, I would not be shocked. I mean, they're they're a legit team. They're deep. They play hard. They shoot good. You know, they run a two-point guard lineup with Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet that is just really electric. I don't know. It's just, it's exciting to watch, and I would not be surprised if they won the title. But, yeah, Nick Nurse for me, Coach of the Year. Um, I And I'm pretty sure that the NBA will vote uh, for Nick Nurse as Coach of the Year, too. I mean, he just deserves it. Um, I, my guess is Frank Vogel won't even be in the top three. But, again, this is my list. All right, the next award that I'm going to be giving out this evening is going to be Rookie of the Year. Uh, I'm going to make this simple. I'm going to make this quick. It's John Morant. It's John Morant's award. Um, Nobody else deserves this award. I don't want to hear anybody say that Zion Williamson deserves this award. Zion played, I think, 12 to 15 games. Yeah, he was pretty good, but John Morant has led a team. He, He was leading them into the playoffs before they started losing three straight games in this Orlando restart, but... John Morant is the best rookie that we've seen in a while. He reminds me of a combination of Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook. I think John Morant's like 160 pounds. He's six foot two, but he flies. He has ridiculous bounce. And if if anybody else besides John Morant wins this award, 
It's completely rigged. Because this is John Morant's uh, award. I'm not even going to give three options for this one. It's John Morant. John Morant is your Rookie of the Year for 2020. So the next award for me is probably the most tightly contested. I think all three of these players deserve this award. And it's going to be interesting how the NBA votes on this one. This award is, is the most improved player for the 2019-20 season. These three players that I'm going to mention all had first-time All-Star appearances this year. And those three players are Brandon Ingram, Bam Matabayo of the Miami Heat, and Pascal Siakam. So there's a case to be made for all three of these guys. And first, I'll, I'll make it for Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram became the focal point of, of offense for the New Orleans Pelicans team. And he improved his scoring from 18.3 points per game to 24.1. He improved his three-point percentage from 330 to 385. He improved his free throw percentage dramatically. 20% he improved his three-point percentage. He became a better rebounder, a better facilitator. He's playing roughly the same amount of minutes, but I mean he's getting more touches because he's not on a team with LeBron James anymore. But Ingram, you know, Ingram's been smooth. There have been games where he just he's taken over a game and he just looks like, you know, the next coming of, I don't want to say Kevin Durant, but you know, a couple pegs below that. Ingram's been great this year. And the case for Bam Adebayo. Bam was sitting behind Hassan Whiteside when he was on the Heat the previous two seasons, and Bam's only 22 years old. He looks like a grown man. Apparently, there was rumors that, or not rumors, the, the report is that the Miami Heat, they run a very tight ship in terms of their fitness and their athleticism. Bam Adebayo, apparently, at 22 years old, has already broken all of the lifting records set by Alonzo Mourning. Alonzo Mourning is a center. Alonzo Mourning is a huge individual. Have you seen the biceps on Alonzo Mourning when he was in his prime? Alonzo Mourning was huge. But Bam Adebayo is apparently breaking all of his records. Bam Adebayo's numbers are sick for a power forward center. He averages 16 points a game, 1.3 blocks, 1.2 steals, 5 assists, 10 rebounds, shoots a pretty good free throw percentage at roughly 70%. Uh, is not really a three-point shooter, but that's not what he's there for, and he's doing it in 34 minutes. Bam Adebayo has been a fantastic player this year, a well-deserved all-star, and I think he's probably one of the most underrated players in the NBA, but he's just he's fun to watch. He plays hard. He plays 110% every single minute of the game. And then the third option here is Pascal Siakam. So we saw Spicy P a little bit in last year's playoffs, and he was going off. You know, He was really doing his thing, mixing up in the finals, mixing it up in the Eastern Conference finals. He would take that, you know, guys down on the block. He'd be able to shoot over them because he's so lanky. Pascal Siakam is a very, very impressive player. Um, and you know he's become the star of this team, of this Toronto Raptors team, who is a front-runner for the Eastern Conference. You know, that... That means something. You know, he's the best player on possibly the best team in the East. You know, it's really the Raptors, Celtics, and the Bucks that are, in my opinion, the three best teams in the East. You know, maybe the Heat are up there too because I like the Heat. But the his numbers this season, he's averaging 23.5 points per game as opposed to 17 last season. He's averaging roughly about the same amount of rebounds, same amount of assists, steals, blocks. His percentages are just, they're better. You know, his, his uh, free throw percentage is up about 20 points. His uh, field goal percentage is uh, actually it's a, it's a little lower, but his minutes are higher. His usage rate is higher, so you're going to see that. But it's good to see that his numbers are about 24 points per game on average, and I think that that matters when you're the best player on your team and you're you know you're the focal point of your offense. For me though, this award goes to Brandon Ingram. There were questions about Brandon Ingram after he uh, there was there was an injury that he had last season where they were worried that his bones weren't okay, and he was. There was a, a period, a brief period of time right before the Anthony Davis trade where Brandon Ingram was seen as damaged goods. They were worried that his bones were going to break because he had some type of... They Luckily, they caught it early. I don't know the exact specifics of it. I'm sure you could look it up. But they were worried that Brandon Ingram wouldn't you know, live up to his potential. You know, Fast forward to now, 
And you watch that game the other night where Ingram was taken over in the fourth quarter. And he looked great. And in my opinion, Brandon Ingram is the most improved player this year. And, and it's not always about the stats. It's about the eye test. For me, all three of these guys passed the eye test, but Ingram a little bit more so looks like he's taken that next step and he is now a perennial all-star and a, and a force in this league. I mean, he really looks that way. So for me, the most uh, most improved player is Brandon Ingram. And the NBA, my guess is they're also going to give it to Brandon Ingram. I think that he's just you know well-deserving of this award. And it just you know shows the the work ethic and the the time that he's put into his game. The next award that I'll be going over for the 2020 season is going to be one that's really close to me because one of my favorite players all time won this award, and it being uh, and that player being Lamar Odom. It's the Sixth Man of the Year award. So the Sixth Man of the Year award, it's honestly nowadays I think it means even more because you know teams go into their bench a lot more, and sometimes that Sixth Man is actually supposed to be your starter. But he's coming off the bench because you need that offense. You need that offense to go against a weaker second unit defense and second unit offense to really be the catalyst for a game. So the three main guys for this one, and it's kind of ironic because technically one of these guys would be a seventh man. You know, but you'll, you'll find out in a minute. Uh, I have Montrez Harrell of the Clippers, Lou Williams of the Clippers, and Dennis Schroeder of the Thunder, which I mentioned earlier. So yeah, so it's funny that you have a sixth man of the year, but you have two players from the Clippers that are up for the sixth man of the year. So technically one of them is the seventh, but for all intents and purposes, we're going to go ahead and call them both sixth man of the year. So the case for Montrezl Harrell. Montrezl Harrell has been really good since he was traded to, uh, from Houston to the Clippers. He's honestly, he's just a hard worker. When he was in Louisville, he was a really, really good player. Um, he reminds me a lot of like a Nene, where he just hustles a lot, but he's just a lot more athletic than Nene. Like kind of like a Kenneth Reed guy, but just with a bigger body. So Montrez Harrell's numbers this year, he's averaging 18.6 points per game and seven rebounds off the bench. I mean, in like 28 you know minutes per game, that's that's ridiculous. If you if you do that per, per 36 numbers on that, he's averaging roughly 25 to 26 points per game if he were to be getting starters minutes. I mean, Montrez Harrell is really brought up this year. He's he's a he's an okay defender, but he's a hustle guy. You know, every team needs a guy like Montrez Harrell because he's going to play hard for you. And if there's any type of scraps out on the floor, Montrez Harrell will be there. And as a Lakers fan, it's annoying to watch Montrez Harrell play, but I could see why the Clippers fans would love him so much. The second option here is, you know, a guy that has won this award multiple times for multiple teams. It's Lou Williams, or as they're calling him right now, Lemon Pepper Lou, <laughs> for his incident when he went to the strip club at Magic City in Atlanta when he was supposed to be quarantining or going to a funeral, and that you know made him miss his a uh, couple of the games for in the NBA restart. But Lou Williams just he just does his thing, man. You know, Lou Williams is is one of the best scorers in the NBA. He really is. If if you were to pull a lot of the players in the NBA and you were to ask them, hey, name your you know five players you hate guarding. That just you know actually I think this happened. I think I saw this stat maybe a year ago. It's always like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, you know LeBron, and Lou Williams is usually on that list. Lou Williams is just he's just consistent. He's just for whatever reason, he's 33 years old now. He came straight out of high school. He was drafted by the Sixers. You know, he so his first like two three seasons, he was playing with Allen Iverson. Now Allen Iverson's prime, so he learned a lot from AI. You know, and AI was one of my favorite players. But you look at Lou Williams' numbers this season. He's averaging 18.7 points, 5.7 assists. You know, he's got great three point percentage, above 40 percent. He's got excellent free throw percentage. And the thing that Lou Williams does really good is it's it's him and Montrezl Harrell. They run probably the best pick and roll in the NBA. For whatever reason, as soon as Montrezl Harrell hits that really hard pick, it frees him up, and Lou Williams is able to find him as he's diving towards the basket. It's it's honestly, it's beautiful. As just a fan of basketball, it's really good to watch. And then if you slack off and you're trying to you know cover Montrezl Harrell, Lou Williams is going to hit you with a mid-range, and it's going to go in. 
Lou Williams is the best at roaming to his left, drifting to his left, and doing an elevated jump shot to his left, even though he's right-handed. As a right-handed player, I, used, I mean, I played basketball in high school, and I played basketball growing up. One of the hardest moves you can do as a right-handed player is move to your left as you're drifting and you know elevate and shoot up with your right hand. It's tough because your momentum's wanting you to go the other way, and you're supposed to you know shift it with your right. It's it's a very hard move, but he makes it almost every time. So it's it's another strong case for Lou Williams to get the sixth man of the year. And the third option is a really interesting one for me because you know this guy's really, in my opinion, he's he's proven that he's a really good NBA player. Where I had my doubts earlier on. It's Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder has been very, very strong for the Oklahoma City Thunder this reason. He's one of the reasons why they've had such a successful season. Like I said earlier, they play that three-point guard set towards the end of games, and it's it's tough. It's really tough to defend. I mean, Schroeder's basically playing starters minutes. He's playing 30 minutes per game. He's averaging 19 points, you know, four assists, three rebounds. He's shooting uh, 38% from three. Those are fantastic numbers. And when he's out there, he's really like you know, the third option sometimes, but he's an elite scorer. If he were, I mean, we saw it on the Hawks. He wasn't always consistent because he's, he was younger, but I think him learning from Chris Paul has really made Dennis Schroeder a much more viable NBA player and somebody who's going to be a free agent this year, who's going to get paid big bucks. I mean, he just, he is, but my pick for six men of the year, it's going to go to Montrezl Harrell. If you look at those numbers coming off the bench and what he does for the Clippers in that second unit, He's averaging 18 points, basically 19 points a game and 7 rebounds a game, only playing 28 minutes a game. That's ridiculous. That is so that is uber efficient. You know, that is those are some crazy numbers. And I hate I you know, I guess I can't really hate the Clippers. They're just a they're they're like, you know, the annoying relative that exists in the same town that you do but you don't acknowledge them at all. Not that I have any of those, but I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to think of <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, a good comp for that. I can't think. Normally, I could think of metaphors, but I can't think of one right here. But anyways, Montrezl Harrell to me is a sixth man of this year. I think Lou Williams has gotten it too many times, so the voter, the voters will look at that. But for me, I just think Montrezl Harrell makes the biggest difference coming off of somebody's second unit than Lou Williams or Dennis Schroeder would. Not taking away what those guys have done because they've been great. But if I wanted a second unit, I wanted to start with Montrezl Harrell for this season, not overall. This season, overall, it'd be Lou Williams. But for this season, for sure, it's going to be Montrezl Harrell. Alright, this is the part of the pod where my purple and gold are really going to shine through. Alright, we're going to be talking about Defensive Player of the Year now. And it's it's a tightly contested category, I agree. There are two at the top and there's a dark horse, which I'm a, I'm a real fan of, this the, the dark horse. But the three main guys I'm going to be talking about for Defensive Player of the Year are going to be Giannis Ananakupo, Anthony Davis, and my dark horse, Bam Adebayo. I, I don't know, I'm just a huge fan of Bam Adebayo. That dude does a lot of good stuff. But the similarities that all three of these guys have, they're all lanky, they're all tall, they're all long, but they have the ability to you know, play somebody in the post really hard and you know, defend them down there, but if they need to, they can step out on the perimeter and guard a guard. I've seen it. I've seen all three of these guys guard a point guard, guard a shooting guard, and give them fits. You know, In terms of the numbers for Bam Adebayo, he's averaging 1.3 blocks, 1.2 steals, and he's averaging 10 rebounds. But I've seen Batman Adebayo step out onto a point guard and literally make him turn the ball over numerous times. Um, Batman Adebayo will win a Defensive Player of the Year award at some point. It's not going to be this year, but he will. And I think the Miami Heat got a hell of a player in Batman Adebayo. I'm a huge fan of his. I'm still upset that he never became a North Carolina Tar Heel. If you don't know, the Tar Heels are my favorite college basketball team. They went to Kentucky. I think Bam is actually from North Carolina. But 
Bam Adebayo, for me, is the dark horse of the Defensive Player of the Year. He's not going to win it this year, but he will at some point. Uh, the next guy I'm going to talk about is Anthony Davis. Okay, This is where my, my colors are going to shine through, guys. I'm sorry. But Anthony Davis this year, but I'm not going to talk about the offensive numbers. We're talking defense. He's averaging 2.4 blocks, 1.5 steals. Okay, And he's averaging roughly 9 rebounds per game on top of all the offense that he's doing. Okay. I have single-handedly, because I watched every single Laker game except I've missed maybe three this year. There have been five to ten games this season in which Anthony Davis has won us the game strictly because of his defense on the star player of the opposing team in late in the late minutes of a game. I've seen it. It's happened. He, I think it happened against the Heat as well. Anthony Davis can play all five positions on offense, and he can guard all five positions on defense, and it's amazing. He's got those long arms, those broad shoulders. He's really quick. He's quick with his feet, and he's just an amazing defender. And he hasn't won the Defensive Player of the Year award yet, which is kind of a travesty because for whatever fucking reason, they keep giving it to Rudy Gobert, even though he's just seven foot two and has a wingspan of like eight feet tall. That does not deserve you. You do not deserve the Defensive Player of the Year award for that. And it's not just about counting stats either, okay? Just because Anthony Davis has two and a half blocks, one and a half uh, steals per game, I'm not basing it just off of that. Yes, those numbers are great, but there's it's 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 the eye test, like I've said before. You know how many shots he he alters when people are going to the paint? There's there. I mean, he has a little bit of help with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee in that regard, but he doesn't have as much help as the next person I'm going to be talking about, with his Giannis, which is Giannis Antetokounmpo. So Giannis is the front runner by the media to win the Defensive Player of the Year award, and I couldn't I couldn't disagree more. This is Anthony Davis's award to win. Let me let me tell you Giannis's stats. Giannis is averaging exactly one block and one steal per game. There have been times where I've seen Giannis. I mean, he's a great defender in the low post. Sometimes it's because he's so lanky and he's not. He he has good north south speed. He's not really good when it comes to east to west. By east to west, I mean. He doesn't move his feet laterally as well as Anthony Davis or Bam Adebayo do. But he's, he's like a gazelle. When he gets out and running, he's probably the fastest guy on the court. There's just something about he can't guard the point guards as good as Anthony Davis or Bam Adebayo can. And because of that, I'm going to hold it against him. Also, his teammate, Brooke Lopez, is averaging almost uh, three blocks per game. So, I mean, you know, it's not like Giannis is doing a whole bunch on the blocking front. But for whatever reason... The, the media is going to give Giannis Antetokounmpo this award, but this is Anthony Davis's award. Anthony Davis, to me, is the Defensive Player of the Year, and I I don't even want to hear any objections to that. He just is. He's been the best defensive player. If you watch any game the Lakers play, if it's a close game, Anthony Davis is going to be there at the end defending, and he's going to make a difference defending, not by blocking the shot or you know getting a steal maybe, but by just altering what's going on and leading the defense into the scheme that Frank Vogel has laid out. Ladies and gentlemen of CampCast, the moment you have all been waiting for, the penultimate award for the award season of the 2019-2020 season, the MVP award. Let's get into it. You know, it's there's a clear-cut two that are going to be talked about for the MVP award this season. It's the MVP winner from last year, and it's the king himself in his 15th season going for in his, uh, his 17th season, excuse me, in his age 35 year, LeBron James. I'm going to give you my dark horse now out of the way just so we can get it out, you know, over with. But my dark horse for this season is Luka Doncic, okay? Let's let's take it for what it is. Luka's 20 years old. This kid is averaging 29 points, 9 assists, 9 rebounds. Shooting a crazy percentage on everything. 
and he is just he looks like a vet a savvy vet out there just the way he able he's able to mix it up he has this below average Dallas Mavericks team in a 7 seed if Luka wasn't on this team they wouldn't even be in the playoffs I mean, I've seen this kid single-handedly take over games, you know, hitting those step-back Luka threes where he's getting like, you know, two or three inches off the ground when he's shooting his shot on his release point. But Luka is going to be a fun player to watch in this league, you know, for years to come simply because he's not all about the athleticism. Luka is about the, the skill, you know, the talent, the savvy. He's 20 years old. You know, it's not like his skills are going to go away. That's where, you know, you, you see a lot of guys like, like like Zion or you know guys like that where it's all athleticism and you don't know how they're going to age well. Like Julius Randle is all athleticism, no skill. And I say that about Julius Randle because Julius Randle has me blocked on Instagram because I called him a bitch. I think it was the first game of the 2017 season. He legit has me blocked on Instagram because he couldn't handle it, but whatever. Because he was. He was moping on the bench, and uh, Kyle Kuzma took his spot. <laughs> that's, a, that's a side story. But, yeah, so Luka Doncic is my third runner-up, is my third player for MVP this season. But we're going to get into it now. And I'm going to be a homer again. I just, I am. I'm going to be a homer again. So I'm going to start with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis has had a fantastic season. I'm not going to take any of that away from him. He's led his Milwaukee Bucks to the top record in the Eastern Conference. Not the West. Not the stronger Western Conference. The East. Okay, Giannis is averaging 30 points, a block, a steal, six assists, 14 rebounds. Crazy numbers, right? His team is stacked. There's a lot of good players on his team. It's a roster filled with guys. You know, you got guys like George Hill, Kyle Korver, Wesley Matthews, Eric Bledsoe, you know, Dante DiVincenzo, the Lopez twins. It's a loaded roster. And it's great, you know, good for him. But Giannis won it last year. And I think that Giannis was a little bit more dominant last year. I really do. I mean, he's still dominant, but he didn't develop that three-point shot like everybody was really wanting him to. So I think he's more or less the same player he was last year. I just think he's a little less dominant because he's got a little bit more pieces around him. So, it's pretty clear. I mean, I'm a Lakers fan. It, it, I'm a Lakers fan. But let me tell you something. I hated LeBron James forever. Even while he was on the Lakers, I was just still, I was confused. I'm a Kobe guy. You know, and growing up, going through high school and everything, you either liked Kobe or you liked LeBron. And I, I, I went to bat for Kobe every single time. Even though his counting stats weren't always as good, he... You know, some of his shot selections weren't good. Kobe just had that different mentality that I gravitated to. Kobe was there to kill you, and he was going to win the game somehow, and he was going to find a way because he was going to outsmart you. LeBron is the most athletic player the NBA has ever seen. He's not a very, he still isn't a great shooter. I mean, he's gotten a lot better in his career, but he's, but he's still not where, you know, you'd want a superstar to be in his age, you know, 17 season. He's never been automatic like that. But what I'm saying is, I'm saying words that I never thought I would ever say. And that is, LeBron James is the best player in the NBA right now. And he still is. And it's, I, if I could look back on in 2011 when I was a senior in high school, and I could hear myself in 2020 saying these words, I'd be in complete disbelief and I'd probably throw up. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, anybody that knows me knows that I hated LeBron James forever. And it wasn't the person that he was. It was his game. I hated how he flopped all the time. I hated, I just hated his game. It was annoying. But LeBron James, I, I, when Kobe, when when Kobe died, which is you know, it's still, I still, I'm still sad about it. But when Kobe died and the Lakers played their first game back, and LeBron gave that speech when he threw away the note, for me, that's that's when he became a Laker. And I know I've talked to my friends about that. 
that's that's the moment for me when he when he became one of us. And I think a lot of Lakers fans can echo that sentiment for me. Um, you know, that meant a lot for me because we were in a loss. We, it's still a tough time. 2020 hasn't been a, you know an easy year, but it, it went off to probably one of the roughest starts ever. Where you lose your you lose your childhood hero. And I'll you know on on Kobe's birthday, look out for a podcast on uh, on the Kobe on Kobe Bryant for me and my buddy Pre. We'll be doing a podcast on that, just talking about the Kobe's impact and everything. But that all that to say, LeBron James is the best player in the NBA this season. LeBron James is 35 years old. He's playing 35 minutes per game, averaging 25 points, 10.4 assists. He is leading the league in assists for the first time in his career, and he's averaging double-digit assists for the first time in his career. He's also averaging eight rebounds per game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you guys. Those are MVP numbers, and he's and this is the part where it gets. He led the Lakers to the number one seed in the Western Conference when all the geniuses and the sports media and the sports you know talking heads thought the Clippers were going to win it. No, we did. We started the season 15 and two, and we haven't looked back since. We've been in command of this of this Western Conference, and we're here. You know, it's 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 almost playoff time, and I can feel the juices. But this is LeBron's MVP trophy this year. He's going to win his fifth one. I believe it's his fifth one. Maybe it's his fourth. I think it's his fifth one. This is his trophy. This is not Giannis's year. It's it's not. You know, with everything that the Lakers had to endure, you know, with all the new players that came in, LeBron was the captain of the team. He righted the ship. There was talk that he had a group chat going before the season even started, was holding private workouts with all of his teammates. LeBron is the MVP for this season. The media, I still think, is going to give it to Giannis. And I think it's the new sexy thing to give it to the young up-and-comer. You know, my guess is Luka Doncic will get a lot of first-place votes, maybe three or four, which are undeserved. This is a race between LeBron and Giannis. But for me, this is LeBron's award. He worked his ass off this year. He deserves it. And I'm I'm glad that he's a member of the Lakers because I don't think that a lot of Laker fans, given what happened to Kobe this season... And what we've had to go through the last seven years of losing and trades being vetoed and you know Kobe tearing his Achilles and a whole bunch of random guys. We had guys on our team called Robert Sacre, Xavier Henry, you know, a whole bunch of just scrubs. I mean, granted, I've never been in the NBA, so to you know, they they'd kick my ass one on one, but in an NBA terms they're scrubs. Maybe Robert Sacre wouldn't. I mean, he's seven foot, but he's just that guy's just goofy looking. But I'm glad that LeBron is here. I don't know how long he's going to be here for. He's got two year, two years left on his contract, but I'm glad he's here. He's bridged the gap, you know, from six bad seasons to one great season. And I'm telling you what, guys, if the Lakers win the championship this year, all of Lakerland, all of Southern California, all Kobe fans will just be able to breathe. Um, you know, it's it's tough for you know a franchise that's won 16 titles to have it tough. You know, it's. Oh, you guys have won 16 titles. You can't have it. It's it's been a tough go, especially this year. I mean, every, it's been tough for everybody this year. But when you lose the prodigal son of your of your franchise, you lose the all time leading scorer. You lose a fan favorite. For me, you lose a childhood hero. You know, winning the championship would be the penultimate uh, thing that could possibly happen in this city. The city would explode. You know, metaphorically speaking, of course. Actually, it, it, it might get crazy out there. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's. There's a lot of pent-up uh, you know, frustration over sports in the city, given that the Dodgers haven't won since 88. Yeah, I threw that out there, Dodger fans. i got to do that every now and then. 
But yeah, this is LeBron's award. And I'm hoping this is the Lakers season. Because I just, I, I want it. I want it badly. Uh, that's what she said. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Um, well, you guys, you know, that was, those are my awards. Those are who I believe deserve the 2019-2020 awards. Um, if you agree with what I, the awards I gave out, if you don't agree with the words, the awards I gave out, DM me on, on my Instagram, cam.cast. It's K-A-M as in Mary, dot K-A-S-T. Please DM me. Please follow me. And if you guys can be so kind, uh, I know some of you guys have, and I really appreciate it. Please like the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please comment because that helps with the algorithms and stuff like that. I'm trying to get trying to get the word out there. You know, I'm really enjoying this. I want to reach a wider audience so we can start doing more more things that I have on the back burner. Um, pretty soon, I'm gonna be uh, giving out stickers. I'm gonna be having a contest for that. So look out for that on my Instagram. That's again cam.cast on Instagram. And if you want to DM me anything you want to talk about, anything you want me to bring up, um, please DM me. Let's let's have a conversation, guys. Yeah, I'm here for you. Uh, I'm here for me, obviously, because I, I fucking love this shit. But I'm here for you. I'm here to have some fun. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. And as always, peace and love. Mm-hmm.